and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, a writer whose initials are CS, but his last name is not Lewis. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We got the reverse this week. We are recording this, full disclosure, on Saturday. Uh, the Sunday 11.30 a.m. game is kind of messing with the travel schedule. So after a great week of baseball, the best week of baseball all season, we we're recording this after the Tigers have failed to score a run for 18 innings. So this week we indeed, we indeed do get to talk about um, the negatives despite some much better play as of late. Yeah, so actually what I wanted to sort of like begin this pod was, you know, what a shot in the arm that Minnesota Twins series was. And then the ultimate splash of cold water into the face uh, going, to, going to New York. And it actually got me thinking a little bit. Um, is there a team that, as the antithesis of the Detroit Tigers, as is the New York Yankees. I mean, think about it. Um, they have a lineup that hits. Not necessarily, you know, in Detroit right now. Here's a stat for you. They have five starters that have made ten starts this season. The Tigers have one. His name is Tarek Skubal. And you have the, the vast Comerica Park with the seemingly just non-existent outfield uh in Yank in the new Yankee Stadium and uh not to mention the whole New York glamour versus Detroit blue collar national reputation all that stuff uh we got it all on display this week Cody and it was a little bit of a like I said it was a splash of reality like I kind of as exciting as that twin series was, you know the ups and downs, therapy sessions. You want to be a little bit more mid. I just, I just, I just knew in my heart that we were going to experience something like this. I don't know if I would have expected two games of no runs, but I was like Garrett Cole. And look, no offense, no offense to uh, Elvin Rodriguez, to Bo Brisky, to Rooney Garcia. It's not Garrett Cole and Severino. Like, it's just not. You know what I mean? So, like, I, it just felt lopsided from the get-go. I kind of expected this. As of right now, it's still a 500 week. They drop tomorrow. Or above 500 week. They drop tomorrow. It's a 500 week. It's not It's not the worst out uh, output of baseball on the planet. But just a classic high-low Detroit Tigers week for us here. So that's just me watching the games. You obviously you were in Detroit, and then you're in New York right now. Uh, did it feel that way in person? That it just kind of like there was this high and this this low was just coming, or did it just kind of hit you hard too? Because you did write about it. You did write. You did say like, is this team could it be on the cusp and you know the cusp is a long way away we 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 can kind of firmly say that now and then you did obviously write something to that effect so in person what was that kind of dichotomy like to witness well i think that twin series was much more how i thought this team would play all year maybe they're not going to be amazing but they're going to play some clean baseball and they're going to be competitive 
and even a little bit scrappy. And so I thought that was fun to watch. I was like, I think that's a more realistic version of what this team is. That doesn't mean they're going to win four out of every five games. But I was like, maybe they've hit that point where they can play like this for most of the season. You're always going to have ups and downs. When you go into Yankee Stadium and face Garrett Cole, I was not optimistic. I was like, yeah, they might get shut out. Um, you know, but then it happens two days in a row when Severino blinks you and Cole's perfect through six and two thirds. And it was back to like, so it's back to you're losing and you're not looking competitive. You're losing and you're looking like you do not belong on the same field as the New York Yankees. And then you look at the lineup and everyone's under 200 and you look at the, if you go on tigers.com right now, you can look at the roster and it's divided by position, and under outfielders, there are two guys. There's Daz Cameron and Derek Hill, and you're playing an outfield with two Castros and Daz Cameron, or two Castros and Derek Hill, or Cody Clemens and Willie Kent. And that's just not what you want. You can't expect to win games like this. So, yeah, it went from like, okay, this team is a little more realistic. They're not as bad as they were April and most of May. And then this this Yankees series absolutely was like a hard dose of reality that it's like, I still think they're better than they were most of April and May, but man, there are a lot of problems to solve and, and this team's a long way from actually being able to play with the big boys. Let me just read you the lineup from the last game of May, May 31st. This is a game that they won against a divisional leading Minnesota Twins. I'm just going to read this out loud. Batting leadoff, Willie Castro. Center field. Batting second, DH, Jonathan Scope. Third, Harold Castro. Left field, Javi Baez, shortstop. Spencer Torkelson, first base. Cody Clemens, second base, making his debut. Jamer Candelario, third base. Daz Cameron, right field. Tucker Barnhart, catcher, rounding it out. So I look at this lineup and I see Willie Castro in center field, which we'll get to. That's not the last we're going to mention that. And then you have Jonathan Scope DH. And I know this is the second half of doubleheader, so like in all fairness there, but just just roll with me here. So this lineup won a game where you have your arguably your best fielder DHing. And you have a guy making his major league debut, no offense. At his position, and you're batting your catcher ninth instead of what AJ typically does, where he has some sort of second leadoff type deal, you know, in the nine hole. And your shortstop, your prize free agent, who's not batting 200, batting cleanup. There's no Miguel Cabrera in this lineup. This is, you know, all respect to Harry Castro and what he's been doing with the bat, but having him in left field in the three hole, they won this game for. To nothing. I made mental note of this. I was like, how is this possible? How is this a thing? And it was also one of those like little moments that you just knew, like, it's kinda like it's kinda like a dairy product in the refrigerator where you just knew it's good now. It's good right in this presence. But it, it there is an expiration date and it's coming really soon. And that was kind of that was kind of my thoughts on it. I just don't know. Uh, I, I, like it, it was kind of nice to like see that lineup win, but I was like, "This is, this is in no way reality." We were reality was far from this. Um, 
Okay, okay, all right. We've referenced it a couple times now. Like, let's, the, the Willie Castro thing in center field, like, the defense of it, from my understanding, and please butt in here anytime that I'm saying something incorrect, the defense of it is that it's easier to read the ball straight on than it is, you know, at one of the corners because of the angle and spin. That's That's the defense that I've heard. And I'm here to tell you I don't care. I do not care about that whatsoever because, first of all, that's the first I've really heard it mentioned in defense of putting in somebody in center field. Um, anyone who grew up playing baseball knew that you did not put your worst outfielder in center field. Now, I guess you say, well, you can't put him in left because you got to do this. Okay, and you can't put him in right because he doesn't have the arm. But you just cannot put him in center field. You, I'm going I'm to channel a little New York radio rant here. So just bear with me. This is a little bit of a bit. You cannot put Willie Castro in center field. It just can't happen. You know why? Because you can't judge a fly ball. And in center field, you have to judge a fly ball. All right? I am better at reading Portuguese then Willie Castro is at reading a fly ball. And you did it in New York on Apple TV. And what does he do? He gets a mediocre run-of-the-mill line drive. What is, what is the first step? What is the first rule of outfield? Take a step back. You were taught that as a child. Before you even can comprehend anything. First step backward. What does he do? He takes five steps forward. He can't read a fly ball. And the easy fly ball because it's straight on. You notice that play on Friday. There was no movement left or right. It was up. And it was back. I would have. I Like. In JV baseball, I would have put my glove in my face if I saw the center fielder do that. It's a major league game on technically national TV, as we call streaming now, Apple TV. And you just can't have it. You, you, you just cannot play Willie Castro in center field. You just can't do it. Because he can't do it. You can't do it because he can't do it. All for the ability to get a guy with a career batting average of 249 in the lineup. And you put him in center field. And by the way, Yankee Stadium, the short porches. Maybe that'd be better for him to be in the corners. All right, end of rant. End of rant. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that resonated with some people. Because that was a combination of things where I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. So just fill in where you, where you see fit there, Cody. I, I, uh, unfortunately, I cannot disagree with any of that. I I don't smoke. I don't condone smoking. I think it's very bad for your health. Uh, watching Willie Castro play in the outfield makes me want a cigarette. Like what are and and I think worse. You know, we talk about AJ a lot on this pod. I have a lot of respect for AJ. And one thing AJ does very well is he he always keeps it real. He doesn't really sugarcoat, you know, he's not throwing his players under the bus in the media, but he he is very good and precise with his words, and he knows how to 
not make it personal, but kind of generally say, oh, that's a play that has to be made or whatever. You know, he keeps it real. He's very good at it. And with Willie Castro, he has continued to defend him as an outfielder. Asked about it post-game. AJ said, Willie can play outfield. Willie can play center. So I've seen good center fielders misplay that ball. I've seen gold glove center fielders misplay that ball. And I'm sorry, but for one of the first times ever, I just couldn't take that answer seriously. And so I'm like, are things so dire that AJ's had to talk himself into believing this? Um, it, again, it, you know, sometimes AJ will be like, you know, you can't knock it until you try it. You can't say Willie Castro can't play outfield until you see him not be able to play outfield. Well, we've seen him not be able to play outfield. We have seen it. I would ha- rather have Eric Haas in center field. Eric Haas actually started pl- He's better than Willie Castro and left. You know, Eric Haas is a lot faster than people give him credit for. He's probably about as fast as Willie Castro. Um, I have not seen a gold glove center fielder misplay a ball like that. I've seen Akil Badu misplay a ball like that. I'm not seeing a gold glove center fielder misplay a ball like that. It doesn't make sense to have your worst outfielder in center. When you have Daz Cameron, who's a pretty good defender, in right. In Yankee Stadium, which Chris Woodward called a Little League Park. Willie Castro, I feel like he should have been in right field. The angles, I a, a little bit. I don't buy it. And it reminded me of when Ryan Gardenhire, like 2019, the roster was terrible. And Gardenhire had to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, we think we think Dawell Lugo's pretty good at third base. We think he can hit a little bit. And it's like... I'm pretty sure Ron Gardenhire didn't actually believe that, but he, you know, he just had to say, he just had to talk up Dawel Lugo and Harold Castro because there was nothing else to talk about. And, but again, AJ usually doesn't do that stuff. And here he is multiple times, uh, good outfield instincts. Like what? One there. Like what? Outfield instincts usually require reading the ball, taking good routes. It's, this is, this is, Bad, that was Willie Castro's worst play, but not his only bad play. Uh, I don't see how you can continue to put him in the outfield. Also, he ranks, he ranks on, I think, the bottom one percentile in, like, chase rate, and his average exit velocity is not good, and he's already cooled off the play. It's rough. I like Willie. Willie's been a really, he's been a really friendly guy. He's been um, a good talker for as much as I kind of talk bad about his game. He's been fun to be around this year. I like Willie. I do not like watching him play anywhere on the baseball diamond defensively. Especially not center field, what you could argue is your most important defensive position. Yeah, I mean, look, there's 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 a lot of sort of branches I want to go from this. One of them is is there like a is there a level of insult that Daz Cameron or Derek Hill feels to see Willie Castro in their territory. They, you know, they and and especially again, I repeat myself, but like in Yankee Stadium, I'm watching. You know, it's I don't watch a lot of Yankee games, obviously, but anytime there's a ball in the outfield, it just the the walls just keep creeping in. I mean that you know, if I was a pitcher, I would have channel. I swear it's yeah. gotten smaller. I swear it's gotten smaller since the last time I kept I was thinking in if Nick Castellanos was, like, was a pitcher, he would call it a bullshit ballpark. 
You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, I don't would. know how you could. It's, I mean, honestly, it's a miracle. I mean, just because it's New York and it's the Yankees. I mean, in no other situation would the number one free agent pitcher sign with that ballpark. You know, uh, like they repeatedly do. But credit to Jared Cole, he's a great pitcher, and it is the Yankee brand. We gotta respect that, and they're always, you know, it is New York. So you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that bit. Um, Another thing is too, like, like I want to root for Willie, like I do, but it just, it just can't happen there. It just can't happen. This is not. There, there's way. I'm not gonna like this. This it's not like the high stakes. Like you know, there's a pennant race going on here, but this is a professional team trying to find its way, and its way is not Willie Castro in center field. Um, in fairness. That was probably on line 4,882 of lineup combinations that AJ Hinch probably ever thought that he would uh, he he would have That's to do, true. especially this early in the year. Part of it is just throwing at the wall and just kind of hoping and seeing if it sticks. But we've seen it. How do you know he can't play center field? We know. We know. I asked uh, I asked AJ kind of a question like do you have a, do you have a process for creating your lineup uh, just because obviously his hand has been forced to play some unorthodox lineups recently and uh, I was actually inspired to ask this question by uh, old ESPN Dallas reporter Jean Jacques Taylor who when I was an intern covering the Texas Rangers asked Jeff Bannister how do you think of this lineup did you do it while you was sitting in your bed you know. Like, just had this amazing back and forth with Bannister, and then Bannister kind of goes on to talk about, like, having some epiphany in the middle of the night, and uh, I knew AJ probably did, doesn't uh, make his lineups by having epiphanies in the middle of the night, but I wanted to know what his process was. Unfortunately, I'm not as good of a uh, interviewer as John Jocks Taylor, so I, I didn't get um, a very Shout good out JJ answer, but I was guy. like, yeah, I was like, what is what is this guy, like? What is he doing when he writes, you know, Willie Castro, when Harold Castro, even though he's been playing well, is your three hitter? Like, how do you, you know, that must be painful for him to write out and, and to map out. Um, so I don't, uh, a lot of it is is almost beyond the manager's control because the combination of injuries and some of the general flaws in the construction of this roster have led us to this point. But again, you we can end the Willie thing, but like you had Daz Cameron in that same game and he was playing right. And then the next day, Willie is in right and catches a ball with that was the third out of the inning and just fires a rifle that I think actually missed the cutoff man because he didn't know how many outs there were. Pain, it's painful. I know AJ Hinch doesn't, nor should he take this into consideration, but part of like the uh, was that this was like like I said, like a nationally broadcast game, Apple TV. And so this is like the representation of like your franchise is that, yeah, Willie Castro in center field. Uh, quick note on the Apple TV broadcast, first time I've watched it. Um, there was one thing where I was like, really? Uh, they were, you know, they talk about gambling because gambling's more acceptable to talk about, you know, odds, this, that, the other thing, over-unders. And it was an over-under on Garrett Cole strikeouts of eight and a half. And the uh, play-by-play 
person was saying, like, I don't know how you get half a strikeout. I was like, we're, we're past that. We don't need, like, people understand the point of, like, a half for over-unders. We don't need to make jokes. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? I was like, especially if you're sponsored by yeah, a gambling funny. company, you're talking about this literally every week. Like, you don't need to do that kind of, like, just just terrible joke just it was just a bad joke i was like really this is what we're doing we don't like as if people don't understand that like and it and, and not only that didn't even like explain that it's like oh it's just so there's no push it was just like it's essentially a dad joke and then move on i was like come on is this what we're doing apple this is what you're paying for that kind of commentary anyway other than that they were good but it was uh that i was like come on seriously <sighs> all right decompress Okay. Let's talk about something cool. Can we talk about the John Boy video now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, If you guys haven't seen it, you got to check it out. I assume they're on YouTube too, but I saw it on Twitter. Uh, John Boy uh, figured out through very precise, for lack of a better term, reporting, for very precise analysis and reporting that Elvin Rodriguez was tipping his pitches. Um, uh, maybe Cody, you kind of take it away because you uh, you have a little bit more depth of knowledge on this than I do. But more or less, it just had to do with the mannerisms of a young pitcher not necessarily understanding uh, what he was doing facing a veteran team that was able to pick on, up on that pretty quickly. Yeah, again, if you haven't watched the video, drop what you're doing, pause this podcast, go watch the video, and then come back. It is it is great work. It is incredible inside baseball. For me, it was a reminder of like why this is such a great sport. The little invisible things that go on, um, you know, the chess match of the game, I think, is unlike any other sport. The little intricacies are amazing. And also watching this video made me feel dumb because I never would have been able to pick up on that, you know, from watching in the press box. Um, in some ways, some of it was a little easier to see on TV, but... I, you know, I like to feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable and then I see this and you kind of realize there's so much that goes on in the game that we never really know about. Um, I almost wish teams would openly discuss it more, but they don't want to give away their secrets. So a lot of it kind of stays out of the media and I, and, and I get that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, they decide that Elvin Rodriguez, they can tell that when he is in the stretch and he's throwing a fastball, he kind of looks over to his right toward third base and pauses, and then he fires a fastball. And if he's throwing a breaking ball, he doesn't do that. And they figured it out. It looked like Matt Carpenter when he bunted against the shift in the four-man outfield. A lot of that was just to get a base runner so that Elvin Rodriguez could be then be in the stretch, and the Yankees tore him apart all on fastballs after this. I noticed the fastball thing in real time, and I was like, oh, they've just decided they're strictly going to get fastball. Well, it was a lot deeper than that. They knew when a fastball was coming. Um, and I think this goes on a lot. But, you know, I think this goes on to some degree in every game. Of course, the Yankees really capitalized on it against a young pitcher. And then I'm thinking, okay, say you're the Tigers, who knew the Yankees had something. Because Tucker Barnard, you know, the Elvin's doing fake shakes, and they're trying to kind of throw the Yankees off. But obviously, they don't know exactly what it was that the Yankees were picking up on. 
And I'm like, so if you're the Tigers, what do you tell? Here's this kid, you know, he's made a handful of major league starts. He's in Yankee Stadium for the first time. He's facing Aaron Judge. He's just trying to get he's just trying to get the ball over the plate. And then you have to tell him you need to be hyper aware of how you breathe and where you're looking and when you take a deep breath. That is a lot for a young pitcher to think about, to comprehend. Uh, just really tells you how difficult it is at the major league level. And I'm sure the Yankees have, you know, people on their bench, people in the dugout, maybe even people inside, all trying to kind of decipher this stuff in real time um, within the rules, of course. And it's just crazy. Uh, so fascinating. I think the video shows a lot of the great things of the game. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it was all at the expense of Elvin Rodriguez. This is payback for AJ being a cheater. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's a joke that had to be made. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We were all thinking not, it. Everyone was not thinking serious. it. Not serious. Not serious. <laughs> uh, I will say this, though, because, you know, when when the Twitter activity started flowing about, about this video, I was like, oh, God. Because obviously, you know, the results speak for themselves. But actually, like, it's... It's a good therapy session. We talk about therapy sessions. It's a good therapy session for Tigers fans because it's actually not as one-sided as like the end results would make you think. Um, as you went into sort of like all of this cat and mouse stuff, uh, it, it wasn't. And, and and honestly, great appreciation for the Yankees. A picking up on it. B being disciplined enough in order to stick with it because you know like. It, even if you have that tell, but you're still talking about a matter of seconds to be yeah. able to stay true. Like, let's just phrase it like this. What's the confidence meter if uh, any pitcher that the Tigers were facing was doing something like that, that uh, Javi Baez would still not swing at those sliders down and away? Yeah. yeah. It might not be that high. Just saying. Um, so, 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 so credit to them on that as well and this is part of the maturation process for a pitcher so um if if you if, if you like I said if you haven't watched it youtube twitter it's available it is very interesting it doesn't it doesn't make the tiger seem as got as uh as what it makes you feel a little better about elvin rodriguez's awful line so it's like maybe he was actually pitching okay they just picked up one little thing and it, it you know, completely ruined his outing. And they say in the video, like when he's in the windup, the Yankees yeah. didn't have much that mm-hmm. you know much answer for him. So it actually, yeah, makes you appreciate his stuff a little bit more. Um, okay, let's let's transition to our. I hope you can hear these New York ambulances and stuff behind me. It's very feels very New York right now. Very loud. All right, outside as. As of right now, I can't hear it, so okay. we'll see. We'll see if we'll see if your mic can pick it up. Uh, but let's give a little a little weekly appreciation for Tarek School. I mean, the the guy is just on fire right now, and you know it's funny. Uh, obviously, I listen to every Tigers game with uh, the audio from from Dan Dickerson, and he does a lot of stuff where he'll say, you know. That so and so hitter for like the opposing team uh, doesn't doesn't have power, and I'm always like, are you? Please don't hit a home run like one pitch after you say that he, uh, he doesn't have power or you know stuff like that. So 
uh, in my head, I'm sort of like, man, we're we're sort of due for like Scooble just to have a bad outing because you know he's had, he's strung together so many good ones. But the fact remains, the dude is absolutely dealing. If you missed it this week, he went seven innings, two hits, six Ks, one walk. Um, I'll ask you this, Cody, and then I'll I tease this on Twitter, so and then I'll get to it. Um, but first and foremost, I am curious as a guy who's in the clubhouse, as a guy who's around the team. Um, the Tigers have their ace, whether he is the ace in terms of like baseball, like the sport remains to be seen, but they have their ace right now. His name is Tarek Skubal. Uh, that wasn't necessarily expected in the sense that, you know, number one overall pick and Mize and then the big free agent signing Eduardo Rodriguez. We all knew we were capable of it. We've, he's capable of it. We, we've covered that. But now it's here. Now it's in his face. Now he is literally the ace of the staff. Um, I'm sort of curious how he's... Is he handling it the same way that he... Is he is he normal? Or like or is AJ, you know, given any indication that he's... Uh, you know, is he being treated differently? Is he treating himself differently? Or is he the same old Tarek Skubal? Because that's probably the... if he He's going to have a bad outing. I'm not worried about that. But, uh, but the mental side of it, how is he kind of, is his approach and all that stuff the same in, in the locker room, in the clubhouse, talking to the media, being the face of the organization more or less at this point? Oh, I'm glad you asked that because he's been a lot more relaxed. We've joked about Scooble kind of being overly serious before because he kind of is. And um, a lot of his early interactions with reporters were, I mean, they were fine, but his answers were very short and it could be like a little awkward and it was just hard to get him to smile or whatever. And he's becoming a much better interview as he's becoming a much better pitcher, given a lot of really good insight. He seems more comfortable in his own skin, perhaps as a result of being more comfortable in his stuff, more comfortable in the mound. Uh, even kind of joking around, talking, you know, with the recorders off a little bit, talking about what he was doing in New York, talking about the Met and bagels. And um, it's been fun to be around Tarek Skubal. Like, I have noticed a difference in a very positive way. I think that's the best way to put it. He seems um, comfortable with himself. Um, I'm sure that's in some ways related to his performance, in some ways just time of being around this is not new to him anymore i think he knows he belongs and we are we are obviously seeing him reap the benefits of that there's probably a psychological angle to that that i'm not remotely qualified to analyze but that's what we do so i'm gonna give Mm -hmm. some half-assed like sort of thought on it um you know it's not like he went to like a college baseball powerhouse and then he had Tommy John, and then he was, you know, a, not like a late round pick, but not a high profile pick, you know, ninth round. Uh, and then you immediately go into an organization that, although like they, you know, they love you and you're getting some, you know, some pub from the fans and all that stuff, like the people that follow the minor leagues, so, you, know, you know, you're not the number one overall pick, you're not the former first round pick. Uh, there's probably a little bit of like prove it like chip oh, on the shoulder no, there stuff. absolutely is yeah and 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 now that it's all kind of laid out there 
maybe there's a little bit of a relaxation of what I've always believed about myself. Other people are seeing too. And that's obviously not to say that A, he's arrived in that sense, or B, that he'll be complacent because he just won't be. That's not how people are wired. He also remains incredibly self-critical despite his success. There you go. All right, so we were talking about nicknames and... You know, I I don't tell you the I don't know if people believe this or not. I don't tell you what they are beforehand. I want your genuinely honest reaction. And I always say like, you know, I don't really think this is good, but I wrote it down. We could talk about it. We could talk about it. So one of the things that you said, Cody, was so true last week was there's not really nicknames anymore of the this or um, like the the avenue that I was driving down for a Scooble nickname that doesn't really exist anymore. And you were right. It's more of like some sort of some sort of analogy with his name. So in the spirit of a nickname that sort of like ties into their actual name you know because we're talking about hobby we're talking about miggy you know that kind of stuff and the demeanor of which that we know Tarek school will to have it was right in front of me the whole time it's scary terry he is scary terry he is scary terry scary terry's on the mound today because he's got the demeanor his stuff is intimidating He's got uh, he's got that long like leg kick. He, he like he, he, he he's scary Terry. Now it's not the it's not the only person to get scary Terry as a nickname, but I do believe this is the most uh, it's it is the most appropriate. He is scary Terry. Scary Terry. It ties into his mannerisms and his approach and his skill set and also it is sort of a play on his name scary terry boom that's the best one i've heard so far it'll take some getting used to it almost doesn't sound serious enough but i feel like it could grow on me uh so you'll have to keep trying to get that started i've been trying to get i've been trying to start calling this season the curse of matthew boyd and no one really plays along um, I think it is so, makes so much sense, but no one else seems to like think that's clever. No one else is joining along in that campaign, so I don't know. We can we can try the scary Terry campaign. I'm, you keep trying for that. I'm gonna keep trying for the curse of Matthew Boyd. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. I need to reach out to his agent. I need to make sure that when it's Players Weekend. That is the jersey, the name on the back of the jersey. Scary Terry. Well, it's a friend I, of the podcast, Scott Boris. So, yeah. Yeah, there, there we go. Loyal we, listener, yeah. I'm sure, Scott Boris. Yeah, yeah. You know, he texts me every day. Uh, you know? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I, I just think Scary Terry works. I, I just think it checks every box. It's not overly complicated. It doesn't require an explanation. Anyone who follows the Tigers regularly will get it. I just, I just think it works. I just think it works. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I like it enough that I'm not going to continue to try to nicknames for Tarek Scoobal. I'm just gonna write out Scary Terry until it 
that either it works or I fall flat on my face. All right. Uh, All right. What was the one someone sent us? Uh, what was the one someone sent us on Twitter? It's like TT Scooball. TT Scooball is what I got. S K O O Ball. TT. There's a one a while back. Oh, uh, the the paw, the big paw. Shout out to anyone who sent us a nickname suggestion. The big paw, the big paw. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, there's some potential there. Again, it's a workshop deal. It's a workshop deal. Um, although, I don't know if we dedicated any uh, any podcast space to the curse of Matthew Boyd. So, do you want to kind of lay it out here, just to maybe we'll catch on a little bit more if we you know kind of put it out here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The Tigers obviously been a pretty disappointing start. They've had. A ridiculous run of injuries. Our guy Gary the Toothpick Jones is now not coaching first base because he actually fractured his ankle. Mm-hmm. AJ Hinch was so sick he had to miss a game. Sometimes it's like, man, is this team cursed? And it's like, what could have caused this curse? They non-tendered Matthew Boyd. <laughs> One of the greatest humans alive. No doubt. A guy who wanted to be a Tiger, who actually moved his family to Detroit, which most most players do not do. And they non-tendered him. They released him. Matthew Boyd might have cursed this franchise. (laughs) I think it's the only logical explanation. You know, the curse of Babe Ruth, he was a left-handed pitcher. You know. There you go. (laughs) Back in the day. You see? It's a... the, the the facts remain um all right yeah so he's at cody stavenhagen i'm at kieran underscore steckley our pod page is at turn corner pod if uh you know tell us what you think about scary terry see if it fits you don't like it as with anything i can take it and we'll take we'll take matthew boyd is going to be back throwing by like the end of this this month if he signs with the white Sox, he might have something there Uh, okay let's go to the javier baez discussion i say that only as i don't really have a lot of bullet points behind that what is what is the javier baez uh conversation because he got those two mental days. I think that was good. They had no real change. And again, because of travel logistics and things like that. Of course, we'll say this now and then I'll hit three home runs on Sunday. But not a whole lot of real change there. I joked that AJ Hinch, like the suggestion box, AJ Hinch, uh, you know, needs to like, you know, fine him, quote unquote, like $100 or something like that anytime he doesn't have three pitches in an at bat. Um, might have to modify that um, if he has over under two and a half swings and misses in an at bat he gets a he, he gets a hundred dollar fine Simo shout out to the boy Craig Monroe said on Saturday's broadcast that Baez needs to more look at where pitch starts instead of anticipating where it's gonna go because if you, if you can pick up on early 
spin, early pitch type, and you know you you can react better. That's a guy who's a former major league hitter. Obviously, I'm far from it. That seemed like advice that made sense to me. I saw a quote that you put on Twitter from Baez where he was just basically like, I mean, he he had more words than this, but it was basically, I got nothing. Uh, So the Baez conversation, you're not benching him really, but it's got to be better than this. It's got to be better than this. Yeah, as as we talked about last week, AJ did indeed almost kind of bench him. It was more of a mental break than like a benching, and then he bumped him down to fifth in the order, and that still has not helped. And again, I'm going to resist the urge to just rip Javi Baez because he's the type of player who will make you eat your words. I still think that's got to come at some point, but it's getting confounding his inability to lay off any sliders is really confounding. I feel like if I were Javi, I would just be like, I'm not going to swing at a slider the entire next series. And look, hitting the big leagues is really difficult, but most big league hitters can tell you they can recognize a slider out of the hand. You know, they might not know where it's going to end up. They might still be tempted to chase it, but they can detect slider generally. And I feel like he should just not... The only way people are going to stop throwing him is if you don't swing at it. And, you know, I was talking about this with Javi Saturday post-game. And, yeah, he was kind of like, I don't know. And, I, you know, I said, how hard is it to make the adjustment? And kind of said, why do you think you're struggling to lay off the slider? And he's basically just said, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm not seeing the ball well. And it's like, I know Javi has a, a long history of uh, subpar plate discipline, but... You know, is something wrong with your eyes, man? Like, seriously, it's the same pitch over and over and over. Um, it's it's getting to the point where it's just weird. Like, I know Javi's always chased that pitch. But, he again, he almost, he almost has to know what pitch is coming because I've been in the press box being like, I did it probably five times Saturday. I was like, I bet it's a slider. And I think I was right four of those five times. The time I was not right, it was a cutter, pretty close to a slider. Like, he knows what's coming. So either don't swing at it or, no, don't swing at it because it's probably not only going to be a slider, it's most likely going to be a ball. Um, man, I know it's not easy, but he's he's got to be better than this. It is, it's been pretty painful to watch. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, every ball player is different, and I don't know where Javi lies on this. There's people who think too much, and there's people who think too little. Um, they weren't talking about Javi specifically, but another thing. The, I'm really only mentioning this because I'll go out of my way to mention Willie Horton on this podcast just as many times as I possibly can. But uh, I think Craig Monroe called Willie Horton. He said, my grandfather or my father or pops or, you know, something like that. And, you know, it, Willie's always like, get them iPads out of uh, out of the dugout or whatever, you know. So um, <laughs> whatever the end of the spectrum hobby is, whether it's like immediately go to the iPad or what. They're actually talking about strike zones That now that I remember. They're talking about like the not real computer generated strike zone and pe- players judging that as opposed to what the umpire is actually calling. That's what they were really talking about. But concept could apply to Javier Baez. So 
I do agree that there's gonna be he's gonna go on some tear. Like I just that's that that's his mo, you know. But it it, it is frustrating to watch. I will say this: uh, there is still real value in his glove and his arm, and uh, right, right that again, as I often say, it's worth something. Right. How much? It's not for me to say, but it is worth something. So, okay, let's let's go on to another talking point, hitting related. Riley Green is playing baseball, and he does have a home run. In fact, he's got a couple multi-hit games in Toledo as of recording. There's a couple schools of thought, I would say, in regards to the timeline with Riley Green. In terms of bringing, when when do you bring him up? Uh, one of them would be give him a real acclimation period in Toledo, get him just back in the flow of everyday baseball. Another is. He's healthy. He would have made the team. He would have been starting opening day. He's he's in a rhythm. Bring him up because it's not like you're. It's it's not like we just you know ranted about Willie Castro in center field for like ten minutes. Like it's it's not like there's like something holding him back on the major league roster. And I gotta say, I'm not really, I could be wrong, and I could be convinced the other way. I'm not really in the camp of give him more or less a second spring training of sorts. It was a fluke injury, and of course I say that, a lot of these injuries for the team this year have been fluke injuries, but it was a fluke injury, and he proved himself worthy of a roster spot in spring training, and he's obviously hitting the ball well in Toledo. I'm not saying you rush him up to Detroit, but I don't believe the circumstances dictate holding it off for really the sake of holding it off. That's just kind of my gut right now. Uh, I don't know if you have any indication from sources or anything, Cody, or what. just what... what I'm not even going to ask you for that. Your general belief on this situation, where does it kind of, where does it slide? Where is it align on, you know, Riley Green and the timeline and, and, and how much time does he need in Toledo at this point? Yeah, I lean more toward definitely not rushing things. Um, I think as we've seen with Spencer Torkelson and we're now seeing with Cody Clemens, like the big leagues are hard, and AAA success is not necessarily an indicator of major league success. And I think you want to make sure Riley's up to speed. I think you want to make sure he's used to seeing live pitching. It's not even so much about his performance. It's just does he feel like he's ramped up and ready to go play in the big leagues? I think that can take a while after he basically couldn't put weight on his foot for like eight weeks. Um so I don't think the Tigers should rush. Now I think it's encouraging. He has kind of picked up right where he left off, and he's hitting the ball well. So I, it doesn't have to be a whole spring training. It doesn't have to be 80 at-bats. Um, kind of my educated guess is it sounds like 
he's probably going to debut at home. Uh, a little bit of a nod to the fans. That probably makes things a little easier on Riley. So I think there's a chance, um, probably a pretty good chance, he could debut this coming weekend against the Texas Rangers. And if that doesn't happen, I would bet it's probably not until after the team gets back from the West Coast, which would push us into July. Um, I think the fact that he's kind of hit the ground running, uh, no pun intended, leans more toward, okay, maybe they're about ready to bring him up. I don't think they're going to rush him up for this two-game stint against the Pirates. Like, I don't think there's any need for that. Um, I think we're going to see him soon, and... I think they've played it about right, but I think like I just think you got to be sure. Even Texas, I'm like, could that could that be could that be too soon, or is there such thing as too soon? I don't know. Yeah, the team needs the help, but um, with where you're at in the year, there's also no need to force anything with Riley at this point. I'm not saying this is part of it, but strategery. Shout out Saturday Night Live, Will Ferrell. Strategery wise, uh, isn't that a week after Summer Bash? So you're already, you know, presumably going to get some fans for, yeah. for Summer Bash. So you know, give them a give them a give them a reason to come back. You know, sometimes it works out that way. Um, yes. Uh, to reiterate, don't rush, but don't sit for the sake of sitting. Um, I guess we we kind of do have to talk about it. Speaking, you mentioned him right up there, and I had mentioned him earlier. Uh, the Cody Clemens. Hold on, hold on. I got I, I, I got to interject Ooh. for one second. Uh, a little favor for Tigers PR. Summer Bash Weekend. It's presented by Miller Lite and Valley Sports Detroit. It's June 10th through 12th at Comerica Park. They're going to have a Q&A with Tigers Legends on the concourse. There will be Friday Night Fireworks. There will be some Tigers alumni signing autographs on Saturday, June 11th. The first 10,000 fans get a Detroit Roots t-shirt on June 11th. And then on Sunday, June 12th, Miguel Cabrera celebrating his 3,000th hit with Miggy Celebration Day. First 10,000 fans on that day. You get a comic book cover. Happens to be presented by Chevrolet uh, that commemorates Miguel's 3,000th hit. It's actually pretty cool. Tigers did a very good job at this um last year if you're looking to come out and just enjoy a day at the park and you haven't been out and maybe you know you're not really trying to go see this team when they're not playing well like i'd recommend going this weekend i think it'll i think it'll be cool we did talk about it last year and obviously i'm just a a, a spectator on 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 the television too but it did look like a lot of fun and uh, there's even more reason um as you said with the miguel cabrera celebration as well and you know if anybody wants to you know send me some of that stuff you know i want to be opposed you know i can't can't get there unfortunately um but yeah you are right and and those the tigers marketing does do a good job of of, of there I, I can't tell you how many times like ah, kind of wish i could just go over there you know down the street and just kind of grab this thing or that thing you know so you know so shout out them we give shout outs here shout out them um what i was gonna say was part of the spectacle spectacle excuse me of this week was cody clemens and the 
obviously he's the son of Roger Clemens. So Roger Clemens was in Detroit, you know, every single time Cody was talked about at bat, made a play in the field. He was, uh, Roger was shown with, uh, huge contingency of, of the family, family and friends, I'm sure. Uh, so I guess I would ask, ask you, Cody, as someone who's, you know, interacted with Cody on, Cody, Cody, uh, on several uh, occasions, and obviously as someone who's a longtime baseball fan, follower, we know the the history of, of, of Roger Clemens, and I'm not trying to get, and you did a good job in your story, by the way, of just talking about his complicated legacy. I'm not trying to get into that here, but just like the notion of, guy making a major league debut statistically speaking one of the greatest pitchers of all time hanging around the ballpark uh just kind of what what was that scene like because that's that's pretty unique obviously you're you're gonna you're gonna cover baseball for a long time if you choose that set of circumstances is unlikely to repeat so what what was kind of all that like uh, yeah, obviously it's a cool storyline. Um, if I'm being honest, though, like it's it's weird for me, and I think it's because I have gone too far down the Roger Clemens rabbit hole, and I've read Roger Clemens biographies, and like I just kind of know the whole story there and how complicated it really is. And um, one of the more interesting things is that despite Roger really honestly not having a reputation for being a very good person. Um, is a very involved baseball dad. He grew up without a dad. It seems like he puts in time to be a, a good father or at the very least support his sons in their in their baseball careers. Uh, reached out to Roger Clemens' representatives, his um, agents, and his attorney this offseason, basically pitching a big story to like really get to um, the heart of his legacy and how he kind of balances that with fatherhood as his son nears his big league debut um and i didn't get a response so i really don't like buying into the roger clemens is just proud of his boy you know angle like it's cool to have roger clemens at the park cody clemens great personality Uh, i've covered the sons of other pro athletes and a lot of times they kind of shy away from those comparisons or they're reluctant like cody um and especially given the controversy around his father like he he doesn't shy away from it. Like, he kind of breathes it in. I think he's proud to be Roger Clemens' son. He doesn't really seem to mind talking about it. It's very engaging personality, smart dude. Um, so, obviously, yeah, again, a, a fun storyline. Unfortunately, Cody Clemens still searching for that first big league hit. As uh, kind of warned people, like, AAA success only gets you so far. This is the big leagues. Um I think he absolutely deserved the call-up with his play, but uh, it's not like he has brought an instant jolt to this offense on the field. And if we're going to be honest here, we are some Detroit Tigers honesty brokers. Outfield play superior to Willie Castro. And that's the last I'll mention Willie Castro, outfield play. Uh, he, he did, he, you could tell Cody's, not a natural outfielder, but had had some better instincts to to use an AJ Hinch term. Uh, 
One last thing before we kind of get into our suggestion box, Cody. Uh, this is this is a little bit of me kind of taking a little bit of an L. I, in the past, I would I, I had said, and I had said in this podcast last year, uh, you know, while the Tigers explored trade for Joey Gallo. Well, I don't know if anybody's noticed. Uh, Joey Gallo, we talk about struggles with Javier Baez. Joey Gallo is hitting 177. He does have five home runs, Yikes. but it took him a while to get his first home run. And as a light consumer of New York media, he is not well regarded. And it seemed like the fans weren't necessarily cheering him on. So just, 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 just take 30 seconds to a minute, well, however long, just be like, are Yankee fans happy with Joey Gallo? <laughs> No, they're not. I actually didn't hear like overwhelming boos or anything at Yankee Stadium, but clearly they're not happy. I've seen some of it on Twitter. Uh, I believe the prospects the Rangers acquired in exchange are doing quite they well are. in that system. So uh, I talked to um, a friend who works for the Rangers, and he was, he was pretty fired up about how that trade's looking right now. So... I think you get, probably also got to be glad that the Tigers did not trade for Joey Gallo. And yeah, that's something I got to wear a little bit. That's okay. Um, I will say this, though, as I go to his baseball reference page. his One of his nicknames listed is JoJo. I'm just going to say Scary Terry is way better than JoJo. Just saying. On, on Joey Gallo's baseball reference page, one of his nicknames is JoJo. The other one is Pico de Gallo. Or Pico de Gallo, which, you know, if he didn't play in Texas or Arizona, like, I guess Southern California, like, that wouldn't even be a thing. So, uh, Scary Terry superior to those. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Has anyone ever called, I've never heard him called JoJo. Is that a real thing? I don't know. I like, don't right, know. like you live in Dallas. Like, I grew up in Texas. I don't, I don't think he's actually called that. I think that is a fiction, to quote Mike Gundy. Remains a mystery. All right. Let me wrap up here with uh, with a AJ Hinch suggestion box. I don't have a serious one this week. I had uh, I did my little New York Mad Dog and uh, Mike and the Mad Dog rant earlier. That was that was for funsies. You know, I obviously I respect AJ Hinch. I try to be fair to him when we were actually talking. Uh, uh, later on in the podcast. My AJ Hinch suggestion box is pretty simple this week. It's uh, tamper the hell out of Aaron Judge. I would I would hype him up. He's got, the, you know, uh, AJ's got that, was it Tuesday morning uh, hit on MLB radio? <laughs> I would just talk, I would take all the fines and just like hype up Judge. He's a free agent. And by the way, this series... His uh his his contract value increased against the Detroit Tigers, and so he, he's I would probably say the front runner for MVP. I believe that the Yankees made. In fairness, the Yankees didn't go cheap with their contract offer, but they definitely weren't close to what he wanted, and so I would tamper Aaron Judge and just like. Talk him up so much, how much respect you have for him, and 
and just just you know plant the seed just plant the seed you know you know it's, old english d on the chest you know might not look so bad and you know he want he, he's playing center field in yankee stadium he wants to be considered a you know two-way player you know he, it's not much of a challenge in yankee stadium america park you can prove that you know so uh so i would tamper i would tamper the hell out of aaron judge and just take all the fines so that's my suggestion box According to some people on Twitter, Aaron Judge actually sucks because Yankee Stadium is small, and if he played at Comerica, he would only have like 18 home runs instead of 21. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's just it's just all about the park, right? No, Aaron Judge is a monster. Uh, I'm yeah. wherever he signs, he will get a monster payday this winter. Um, but my AJ suggestion box, look, we've already covered it, but it's real direct. This Willie Castro stuff, it's got to stop. At the very least, he needs to not ever play center field again. Um, and you're about to get Austin Meadows back, and so probably Daz Cameron goes down, or maybe Derek Hill. Akil Badu's starting to play a little bit. He's going to have to show some things before he gets promoted back to the big leagues, but... You know, so Willie's going to stay on the roster a little bit longer. Um, But I think we just have to stop lying to ourselves about Willie Castro, particularly when it comes to his defensive abilities, his ability to play the outfield. At the very least, no more Willie in center. That's my suggestion. All right. So we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up here. Um, I I do want to say if you're upset that we're not recording on sunday it's just a logistical thing you know it it just made more sense and uh for cody's schedule and i also i also want to say that if this episode seemed a little choppy we fought a lot of new york city hotel wi-fi problems uh to power through so if there's a little choppiness or if it seems like we're repeating ourselves a little bit that's the reason i hope everybody can understand that you know it is what it is. We got to power through. This was our starting Willie Castro and center field episode in some way. So that's the last I'll mention it. That's the last I'll mention it. <laughs> but we do appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate any kind of words that come our way. We appreciate the subscribers on Apple and Spotify, people who have given five-star reviews. Uh, it means a lot to us. Uh, we just we just do this because we have fun. And if, and if people enjoy listening, that's... That's a great bonus. So I just want to say thank you once again. And I hope everybody can have a great week and level out like the Tigers leveled out. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. We got a glimpse of everything this week. And I want to thank Cody for taking time out of his road trip time for uh, fighting through this podcast with me. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.